Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see all of you here today. I missed you folks. I've been missing y'all. I've been missing y'all. So it's good to be here. Uh, You know, vacations are great. Uh, I love them. I I love going on vacation. Uh, But so is coming home. Coming home is great. And I like coming home. I've decided that uh, getting ready to leave to go on vacation is a whole lot more fun than having to unget ready whenever you get back from vacation. It's not not so fun, not not as much fun. Uh, several of you said, you know, we saw your pictures you put on Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, hey, I, there's this one story I got to tell you all. We were in uh, the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History, and we saw the Hope Diamond. Okay, this is like this blue diamond that's a little bit bigger than your eyeball probably. It's, it's a nice-looking rock. And they told the story about this lady. Her name was uh, Evelyn McLean, and she was the daughter of a mining uh, like big wig, the guy had a lot of money from mining, and she was his daughter, so she was a socialite, and she she owned the Hope Diamond along with the uh, the Star of the East, which is another big rock that's even bigger than the Hope Diamond, and but she couldn't like really wear it out anywhere, and so what she would do is she would put it on a ribbon and tie it around her dog's neck and let the dog run around her New York apartment wearing the Hope Diamond so that she could own it and enjoy seeing somebody wear it at the same time. And I was like, wow, problems for the super rich, right? You, you own the Hope Diamond, but you can't enjoy wearing it. It's a cool story. Um, totally recommend you go into D.C. if you ever get a chance. Uh, cool town. A lot of great stuff to do. Um, we're going to talk about love today. That's where, that's where we're headed. We're going to talk about love. But before we do that, i got to say uh, publicly how much I appreciate uh, Brother Ben Tier and, and Brother Nathan Henson for doing such a great job while I was gone. I know Ben talked about um, relationships, our relationship with God, and how our tainted human relationships will often impact that relationship with God. I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet because it hasn't been uploaded to the podcast or some type of technical issue, uh, but hopefully the um, media gurus will get that taken care of, <clears throat> Nathan, so I can listen to it. And then uh, last week, uh, Nathan talked to you about uh, the recipe for relationships and what just a good rue for, for a relationship is with love and grace and fellowship. And uh, Nathan's style is so authentic and real. And it's just real easy to listen to. And, but it was also great material. And I just want to thank him and, and Ben for doing such a great job. Uh, I really appreciate Nathan setting me up for this weekend. Uh, he he kind of teed it up for me with his talk about love, and it got my thoughts rolling in a direction that I probably, honestly, should have got started thinking about a long time before today, because we've been in this relationship vein since January, and we've talked about crazy makers and how to deal with them and how to deal with yourself whenever you're dealing with a crazy maker, and we've talked about being relatable and improving your life by improving your relationships and all this stuff. And here's Nathan talking about how love is the foundation of relationships. And I don't really know that I've talked about love uh, over the past six. I mean, it's been implied in some of the stuff we've done, but not anything directly. And and so um, whenever I heard Nathan, he, and he absolutely crushed it last week whenever he said love is foundational. Love is foundation. Without love, there can't be a relationship. And whenever Nathan said that, he, he, he sounds a lot like Jesus. And that's, that's a good thing to sound like Jesus. And he sounds a lot like Jesus whenever he says that, because that's what Jesus said the same thing. Jesus said, Jesus said it's all about love. Uh, This passage should sound familiar to you, but let's check it out one more time. In Matthew chapter 22, verses 34 through 40, 
Jesus said, and, and go read Matthew chapter 22 and read it in a few translations. There's some cool stuff going on in this chapter because all it is is the Pharisees and the Sadducees and then the teachers of the law are trying to mess up Jesus and trying to trick Jesus. That's the whole chapter. And it's really cool to read it in that context about humanity trying to, to mess up Jesus. But they say right here, or Jesus is talking right here, it says the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply and they met together to question him again. And one of them, who was this expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question, Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, this is where Jesus picks up, he says, You must, all right, you want to know what's the most important commandment? Here it is. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But a second one, right, is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. All of the law, one translation says, hangs on these two commandments. So Jesus said, everything that you think you know hangs on two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Almighty, this is Jesus. This is Almighty God in flesh. And he said, you want to know what the greatest commandment is? You want to know what life is really all about? You want to boil everything down to the bare essentials? Well, okay, cool. Here it is. It's love. Love God. Love others. Love yourself. And Jesus, he didn't make any concessions. There's no, there's no qualifiers here. There's no room for supposition. And he didn't do what he frequently did, which is answer their question with another question. Come on, y'all know God does that a lot, right? You ask him a question and he gives you a question. God, why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Well, why are you looking at it that way? Why did she have to hurt me the way she hurt me? Well, why are you still holding on to it? That was five years ago. God, why hasn't this happened yet in my life? Well, why aren't you asking about what I need you to do? Right? He, he asks you a question in return for your question. But Jesus, he didn't do that here. He, he, he said, all right, you want a legit answer? I'm going to give you one. And, and he, get, he gave them a direct to the point answer. And he didn't answer with some type of wimpy, gray area type of thing. No, ma'am, he got out like one of those. Y'all might have one at home. It's one of those big, fat sharpie markers that has a tip on it like the size of your thumb he got one of those out and he wrote on a white piece of paper and he said this is what this is the answer right here love this is the answer so you cats want to know what god considers to be the most important thing in life everywhere all the time and forever here's the answer it's love it's about love, fellas. You know, here's an interesting fact. There are 59 one another's in the Bible. 59. One another's or each other's. And 11 of those 59 are commands to love one another. And five of those 11, Jesus is the one saying it. Jesus is the one doing the commanding. And I find it interesting that he has to command us more than one time to love each other. Right? Because he, he knows us and, and he gets us. He knows if I don't tell them to do that at least five times, nobody's going to get it. And so I'm going to tell them 11 times and hopefully something will stick for somebody somewhere. That they'll understand that they, they've got to love each other. I hope you're with me on this so far, but I mean, it kind of sounds like maybe, sort of, love might possibly be important. So let's dig into that for a little bit. 
Today we're going to talk about what is love. Now, if you've got the 1993 dance hit from Hathaway rolling through your mind, I'm going to let you go ahead and get it out of your system. Go ahead. If you're seeing three goofy guys, then I know a little bit about your history. Y'all done? Okay. All right. Yeah. What is love? I don't know about y'all, but I, I tend to throw that word around a lot. Love. I tend to throw I, I, I throw it around quite a bit. I love my wife. And I love bacon cheeseburgers. I love my kids. And I love Krispy Kreme donuts. I love Jesus. I love chocolate. I love stuff like guitars and, and guns and barbecue and America. And I love my mother-in-law's pineapple salsa. Really, is good stuff. I love Christmas time, and, and I love that sweet potato puff. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? That sweet potato casserole that they make at Christmas time. You can put it on your plate with all of your other food, but it's like really dessert in secret. Yeah, I love that stuff. And I love Grace Church, and, and I didn't know he was going to be in here, but Pastor Murph, I love you, lady. I love you. I love Star Wars, man. I like space stuff. I love space stuff. And I love science fiction. I love video games. And I love scripture. And I love the kingdom of God. And I love the moving of the spirit. I use that word a lot. I love a lot of stuff. And I love all that stuff. Not necessarily in that order. And not necessarily in the same way. But I love all that. So what does it mean? What is love? What does, it, what does it mean to love? That's a huge question. It's a very important question. So I got serious about it, about it a few days ago, and I went high into the mountains of Tibet, and I asked the great guru named Google. And I said, uh, Google, what is love? And this is what Google said. Google said, love is, first of all, an intense feeling of deep affection. As in, babies fill parents with intense feelings of love. So right away, there's love. Then there are intense feelings of love. So already I've got questions. So to help me out, Google offered me some, some synonyms. and said, well, Coop, maybe you're thinking about fondness or tenderness, or warmth, or intimacy, or attachment, or endearment. Or maybe you're thinking about devotion, or passion, or desire. You might even be thinking about lust. And I was like, Google, I don't know about that one. And it said, well, you might be thinking about yearning, or infatuation, or compassion, or care, or concern. And the list went on and on and on. All these synonyms for love. And it said, well, Jason, well, maybe you're thinking about this this definition, because definition number two is a deep romantic or sexual attraction to someone. And I said, well, hold up, because that's a whole lot different from that first definition about babies filling their parents with intense feelings of love. Those two things don't seem to go together to me. 
And say, well, Jason, here, well, here's another definition. Number three is a great interest or pleasure in something. And that's, that's even a little bit different from the first two definitions. And the definitions and the synonyms went on for pages on Google. Now, I got a little weird, and I, and I want you to compare that to the Google definition for chair. A separate seat for one person, typically with a back and four legs, or a person in charge of a meeting or organization. Now, here's what I gathered from that little exercise. We know more about where we park our bottoms than we do about love. We've got a better definition for where we put our tailbones than we do for love. We know about feelings. We know about affection. We know about sexual attraction, but we don't really know a whole lot about love. Which is a little bit scary because from what I've heard, love makes the world go round. Love is all you need. Love will find a way. But yet we don't know a whole lot about it. But thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about what love is. And we're going to start talking about five of those today. I want to talk to you about what is love? Five love basics. And uh, if the clock is kind, we'll get through the first three today. Five love basics. For those of you that like to take notes... Put it in your phone, whatever. Five love basics. Here's the first one. We love because God loved us. We love because God loved us. First John chapter 4, verses 7 through 8, New Living Translation says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. See, there it is. For love comes from God. Get that part. Love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God for, say it with me, God is love. First John 4 and 19, skipping a little bit farther down in the chapter, says we love each other because, come on, yeah, he loved us first. And notice what it says in First John 4 and 8. We just read it. God is love. Not that God has love. But God is love. The reason, folks, that God wants you to love is because he wants you to be like him. He loves, and so he wants you to love. And one of the byproducts of being created in his image is we, like him, we have this capacity to love. God put that capacity to love in you whenever he created you so you could learn to love. So you could learn to love God, so you could learn to love other people, so you could learn to love yourself. And the only reason that you can love, the only reason that you can experience love is because, as it says in 1 John 4, 19, God loved you first. Remember, y'all remember the shovel and the spoon that, that first couple of Sundays whenever we were in Relatable, right? Remember my big shovel? What was the lesson there? The lesson was that you can only dispense what you have yourself received. God gets it. He knows. Those are some messed up people down there. They, they are messed up. And if they are going to love the way that I want them to, somebody has to give them love first. They can't just say I love you. We'll get to that later. They can't just hear I love you. Somebody really has to love them. Somebody really has to show them that they are loved. And so you know what? I'll do it. I'll be the first one to step up and, and start the love cycle going and love them first. 
I'll love them so they can love. And once you start to internalize and live out how much God loves you, what will happen is you will start to behave in loving ways toward other people. You'll be more patient. You'll dispense with what you have received yourself. You'll be more patient. You'll be more understanding. You'll be more kind. You'll cut people a lot more slack. You'll give people more than just their one-eighth teaspoon full of grace. Because you've received love. God makes that possible, guys. He makes it possible by loving us first. So here's the real-world implication of all that. This is the Brian Tear Clause coming at you in the middle of the lesson. Are you angry all the time? Are you bitter? Are you sarcastic and judgmental? What comes out of you is what's inside you. You squeeze the tube of toothpaste, what comes out? Toothpaste. Why? Very good. This is not a graduate level question because that's what's in it. So what comes out of you whenever you get squeezed? If anger and bitterness and biting sarcasm and judgmentalism are coming out of you, then it means that those things are what's inside of you because you only dispense what you have yourself received. Receive love. Receive love. Let God deal with you about how much He loves you and that's what will come out of you. It's going to be impossible, folks, for us to love others unless we feel and know that we are loved ourselves. And one of the greatest healings that Jesus Christ can bring to any human heart is the realization of how much, how much, how much you are loved by an almighty God. First, John four and 16 says, we know how much. God loved us, and we have put our trust. I like that part. We have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in In NIV, it says, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Do you know the, the love God has for you? Maybe you know about it in a textbook knowledge, but not in a down-deep-in-your-heart knowledge. Do you rely on the love God has for you? If not, then you're going to have a hard time loving other people. And I'm not talking about people that love you. That, that's easy. It's easy for y'all to love me because I'm cool. It's easy for me to love you because you're cool. It's easy for me to love Nexters and, and Grace Church people. I love you. You love me. We all love each other. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, I'm talking about doing what Jesus did and loving the unlovable. Loving the difficult, loving the disenfranchised, loving the demanding people, those irritable and irritating people in your life. Loving the ones who are different. Y'all need ever said that to somebody? Eh, they're okay, it's just a little, they're a little different. But Jesus wants you to love those different people. The outsiders, the people that aren't in the cool kids club. That's the ones I'm talking about loving the ones. Watch this. The ones you don't feel like loving. You can't do that until you receive God's grace for you. Then you can dispense 
what you have yourself received. So we can love because God loved us first. Number two, love is... All right, y'all just go ahead and get ready. Love is a choice and a commitment. Love is a choice. It's a choice and a commitment. You choose to love. And you choose not to love. We bought into this myth today that love is somehow some type of uncontrollable thing that just like like happens to us. You know, you can't control love. It just it just happens. No, that's not true. Love is a choice. You can even the language that we use about love is like it makes it out to be this uncontrollable thing. Like it's like it's some kind of accident. I just fell in love like it was a ditch or something. You know, I was just walking along and whoop, there I went. I fell right into this gaping hole that some person left open and unattended. And it was completely not my fault. It just happened to me. That's not love. Now, look, OK, attraction. Attraction's uncontrollable. Arousal. Arousal is uncontrollable. There's no doubt about either one of those, but attraction and arousal, those things are not love. They can lead to love, but they aren't love. Love isn't an accident, folks. Love is a choice. Who's been, who's been to a wedding before? <laughs> Some of you, all right, I, I know you've been to at least one, okay? Thank you. Every, every wedding, you know, everybody tries to put their own little twist on the, on the marriage ceremony because, you know, whenever you get right down to it, they're all basically the same. But everybody tries to put their twist on, on their ceremony, and, and, and they should. I mean, that, that's right and good. And, but every one that I've been to, there's at least one thing that happens in every single wedding ceremony that's always the same. These, these two people look each other like face to face, and they look each other in the eyeballs, and they make something called vows. Now, what's a vow? A vow is a promise. It's a promise. And what they say is, I choose you over everybody else in the world, and I choose you over everybody else in the world until the day I die. That's their vow. That's their promise. That's, it, it's, th this is not some type of slip, trip, and fall, right? Where somebody needs to make one call, that's all, or get Gordon. That's not what this is. This is not a mess up. This is not somebody's accident or somebody's negligence. These are two people looking at each other and making a conscious choice. I am going to love you and I am going to commit to you. Now, graduate level question here. So y'all get ready. Can you force somebody to love you? Very good class. Can you force somebody to not love you? No. The answer, the answer you're looking for is still no, still no. You know why? Because love is a choice. They choose to love you or to not love you. Watch this. And we're going like Old Testament now. We're going back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, Today I have given you, watch this, the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice, very good, you make. Oh, that you would 
Choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Okay, sounds good. That's the choice I want to make. How do I choose life? That's the one I want. He gives the answer, verse 20. You can make this choice by hello. Old Testament. Pentateuch. Moses. Right? Saying it's a choice. You choose to love God. You make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and what? Committing. Love is a choice and love is a commitment. Commit yourself firmly to him. Guys, the, the same truth, the, the same principle that's true in your relationship with God is true in every other relationship in your life. You choose to love God. You choose to be committed to him and you choose to love other people and you choose to be committed to them. It's true of every relationship you have. And, and you hear people say, well, I just don't love her anymore. No, be a man and own it. You're choosing not to love her anymore. I, I don't love him anymore. No, don't blame it on circumstances. You're choosing not to love him anymore. Number three, love is a choice. Love is a commitment. Number three, oh, we're doing great. Love is an action, not an emotion. Nathan covered this last week whenever he said love leads to action. He said uh, love is, is what you do for somebody, not what you say to them. And I love the point that he made. He said we should stop. We should be the uh, we should be the middleman for God's love, not the last stop. That's good. That's good stuff. Love is something you do. Y'all wearing that out in your brain a little bit? Love is something you do. Love is, is a behavior. It's not an emotion. It's a behavior. Now, it's a behavior that can cause emotion. But it isn't an emotion. And it certainly doesn't find its ultimate fulfillment in emotion. In emotion. Uh, let's get at it this way. Over and over again, 11 times, right? Scripture commands us to love. And you can't command an emotion. If I told you right now, be sad. Be sad. Becky, be sad. You're smiling, be sad. You can't do it. Now, you can fake it if you're a really good actor or a really good actress. Ashley might be able to pull it off. Ashley, be sad. No, she can't. She can't do it right now. You, you can't just pull that emotion... Or you, you can't pull that out of it's 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 not authentic as a parent those of you who have children in here have you ever like told one of your kids look straighten up and get happy just straighten up get happy suck it up buttercup get over it be happy and and the kids doing that like stuttering cry thing where they can't breathe like <laughs> okay <laughs> Dad, uh. i hate that Why? Because you can't command an emotion. Emotions are uncontrollable. If love was an emotion, then God couldn't command us to do it. But love is something you do. So he's got all the business in the world commanding us to do it. In fact, the Bible says this. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3. It says we know what real love is because... Jesus gave up his life for us. 
How do we know what real love is? Because Jesus said, I love you. Because Jesus said, I feel great affection for you. No. Why? Because Jesus did something for us. So we ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. Well, hold on just a minute. Because I don't even want to give up my Sunday afternoon nap. If someone has enough money, it gets all up in our business here in 1 John. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? This made me squirm. I don't see any of y'all squirming. Y'all must be better off than me. Watch this. Dear children, this is the last verse. Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You talk a good game. But do you really love them? Let's see how you act toward them because love is something that you do. Let's deal with one more point on love as an action real quick, and then we'll shut it down for today. Y'all get this one. If you're taking notes, I really want you to write this one down. Acting in love towards someone when you don't feel it is one of the highest forms of love. If not, the highest. Acting in love towards someone when you don't feel it. It's one of the highest forms of love. It's a more mature love. When you act in love towards someone and they don't respond. And my tendency is to step back and say, <laughs> you know, I just uh, just uh, acted in love toward you there. And uh, I'm not really getting the, quite the response that I felt like I should get. <laughs> Steve Brian Regan talks about merging in traffic. And he, he sees the guy up ahead of him and, and he does, he's talking on his cell phone and he doesn't have a clue that he's got to merge and get over. And so Brian Regan does the, the, the loving thing and, and makes room in traffic for this schmuck to get over. And what he gets is this. And he said, my act of kindness toward you is, is way out of proportion from the response that I got. That that hole I made in traffic for you warrants a little bit more than a... So whenever you act in love towards somebody, let's say you act in love towards somebody and you're really not feeling it. You're like, oh, Jason said. And that like came from Jesus, so... And then they don't respond. It's mature love. It's easy to love somebody that loves you. That's, that's nothing. That's nothing. I mean, Jesus even said that. Luke chapter 6, he said, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those that love them. And if you do good only to those that do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those that can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Come on. 
Really? Watch the next part, though. Do. Do. That's, that's action. Do good to them. Real love. Real love acts. When they don't deserve it, thank you, Jesus. When they don't respond, thank you, Jesus. And when you don't feel like it. I'm so glad Jesus didn't look at Jason Cooper and say, hey, I just, <laughs> you're a little too different for me, man. I don't feel like loving you. You don't get up, Jeremy, you don't get up in the middle of the night to take care of that crying infant whenever it's like the fifth time in the five hours between 11 p.m. and 4 a.m. You don't get up if it's not out, if it's not out of love. You don't do it because you feel like it. You're not like, well, I think I'll just go in there and look at her one more time. Uh-uh. You won't sleep. Why do you do it? You do it because it's the loving thing to do. Anytime, anytime you've held a barf bowl for a sick kid, you ain't doing that because you feel like it. Anytime you clean puke up out of the hallway because they couldn't make it to the toilet in time, you're not doing that because you feel like it. You're doing it, why? Because it's the loving thing to do. When you're patient with somebody who's irritable and every bone in your body wants to give them that sarcastic reply, come on, somebody. That's love. When you come home at night and you're just as tired as everybody else is, but you cook dinner anyway, you go to the soccer game or the, the band concert anyway, ooh, you get up and go to church anyway on Wednesday night. That's love. It's love. Love is an action. More than an emotion. It's an action. And folks, let me tell you something. It's always easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. That's pretty good. I think y'all write that one down. It's always easier to act your way into a feeling than it is to feel your way into an action. Look, I'm never going to feel like giving up my Sunday nap. But maybe if I start doing some actions. Well, I don't want to preach to myself. I'm up here to talk to y'all. Feelings follow, guys. Feelings follow behavior. Feelings follow behavior. Come on, Brother Murphy. You've told us before. You don't feel like you love her anymore. Well, start acting like you love her. Take her out to dinner. Spend some time with her. Do some dates. And what happens? All of a sudden, you find those feelings start to flower again. And if you start acting in love, then the feeling of love will follow. All right, we've got to wrap this up. I want to give you some next steps. And I want you all to put your money where my mouth is. Okay? Sometime this week, sometime this week, between now and Sunday morning, this is your next step. I want you to show somebody you love them. Show somebody. Action. Do. 
Show somebody. Mow their grass. Clean out their car. Take them to lunch or dinner and pay the bill. It doesn't count if y'all go to lunch or dinner and it's Dutch, okay? Cook them a meal. Bake them some cookies. Visit them in the hospital. You know, whenever my dad was, was in the hospital before he passed away, um, there's a guy named Seth that uh, I used to teach, and he became a teacher himself. And he was also involved in youth ministry at a denominal church. And he said, man, is there anything I can do for you right now? He said, I, I read on Facebook, what's going on with your dad? Is there anything I can do for you? And I was like, man, look, we're just up here at the hospital. I said, I don't know. The only thing I find is I'm craving dark chocolate. Here's what he did. He put together this little tote, and it had like $10 in quarters for the vending machine. It had some coloring books and colored pencils for the kids. It had Sudoku books and a package of pencils. And sitting on top were several bars of Dove dark chocolate. And I have never felt so loved because somebody spent 30 bucks and took 30 minutes to bring that to me. And while I'm talking about it, later on after dad had passed and we were going to have all of these people over to our house after the funeral and the lawnmower was broken and dad was the only one that knew how to fix the lawnmower. Like, because he never bought anything new. Okay, he would buy some piece of junk because he knew how to work on it. Well, I don't, I'm not that kind of guy. And so it's like, I can't get the thing running. I'm stressed out because, you know, the grass is this tall because we've been at the hospital and doing all this funeral stuff. And my boss, Tracy McCray, called me. She said, Jason, is there anything you need? And I'm like, Tracy, I don't know. I said, I, if I could get somebody to cut my grass, that'd be great. But I just don't need anything. Got home from the funeral home. And she had sent Mr. David, who mows the grass for the schools, to my house and had him mow our yard. And I, like, pulled into the, I'm already an emotional wreck, right? And just sobbing, never felt so loved. Why? Because somebody did something for me to show me, man, I love you. I really do love you. So here's your challenge. Not a text, not a phone call. Do something for somebody this week, something practical that says, I'm not just saying I love you, but I really love you, and I want to show you that I love you. Now, we don't give bonus points here and next, but maybe Jesus will. But here's your bonus points opportunity, possibly, maybe. If it's somebody who gets on your nerves... If it's somebody that you can't stand, somebody that irritates you, that you don't get along with, somebody, Nathan, like that neighbor with the retaining wall that doesn't respond, somebody that doesn't deserve it. Can we just say it that way? Somebody doesn't deserve it. Somebody you don't feel like loving. Now, since I said that, we're all going to be suspicious of each other all this week. Because if I get like 11 plates of cookies, I'm going to know what's up with y'all. I'll be like, man, I got five invitations to dinner, four invitations to lunch, and four plates of cookies. I know exactly where I stand. So here's the deal. This, this is the caveat. Don't do it for anybody in this room. Don't do it for anybody in this room. 
We'll just go ahead and get rid of the suspicion that way. But love on somebody this week. Lord, you are the ultimate example of love. Jesus, you came and did for us. You loved us first. And you know us. You know us. You know how messed up we are and, and how if you don't tell us to do it more than once, then we, we're going to miss it. You've commanded us to love, to love each other. You commanded us to love our enemies and to do good for them. So what I'm going to ask you to do, Lord, is just help us this week. Help us to recognize that opportunity that you present us with this week to show love to somebody when we don't feel like it, when they don't deserve it, when they're not responding. Help us, Lord. Make it click in our brain. This is it. This is your opportunity right here. And to just be practical and show somebody love. We thank you for everything that you've done to show your love for us. In Jesus' name.